This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of December 14th, 2019. Playing catch up with the new Belgium story. Ballast Point sold for far less than one ballast point. Anheuser-Busch to expand partnership with Craft Brew Alliance by buying them. And best cities for beer drinkers in 2019. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Let's get right to it. All right, our first story. Uh, you, you may have heard uh, what's been going on over at New Belgium, but if you haven't, uh, there's just no way you haven't. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, through all the sales of craft breweries to massive beer conglomerates in recent years, New Belgium Brewing appeared ready to hold out after establishing an employee ownership structure that was roundly praised and even copied in the industry. In the end, though, uh, the different route led Fat Tire, that this article always re- refers to New Belgium as Fat Tire, why I don't know, yeah. <coughs> to the same uh, destination as other craft breweries that grew too large to do it on their own. New Belgium announced Tuesday, this was Tuesday a month ago, <laughs> that it will yeah. sell to Lion Little World Beverages, uh, which is owned by Japan's Kieran Holdings Company Limited, uh, for an undisclosed price. It is at least the third uh, largest craft brewer uh, that has agreed to sell to a larger publicly owned brewer in roughly six months after Boston Beer Company purchased Dogfish Head. And I thought that was a merger. <laughs> that, yeah, <laughs> as they s- announced it, but I'm pretty sure as we, we announced that, it was a buying out. There, it was not a merger. Uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev uh, purchased Kona, which we're going to get to that story, <laughs> as it says in this one just last week. New Belgium is much larger than Dogfish and Kona, ranking as the fourth largest craft brewery in the U.S. by sales volume and the 11th largest U.S. brewer overall, according, according to the Brewers Association. New Belgium's influence in the industry may have been even larger, however, as in nearly three decades, it seemed to have established a sustainable approach to making beer on its own without compromising its values. New Belgium established itself as a B Corp. A status requires a company to meet certain social, environmental, transparency, and accountability standards and make a commitment to consider the interests of all stakeholders, not just its shareholders. That last part wasn't a problem for New Belgium, though, as it instituted an employee stock ownership plan, or ESOP, that made uh, most of its stakeholders also shareholders. I thought ESOP was those things on the back of, like, brandy or something. (laughs) No. (laughs) Co-founder Kim Jordan said in a letter that New Belgium would remain a B Corp with Lion's Blessing but uh, lose its employee-owned status. Workers with stakes will need to approve the deal, uh, but stand to be rewarded. More than 300 employees are receiving over $100,000 of retirement money, with some receiving significantly greater amounts uh, over the life of our ESOP, including its transaction. Uh, The total amount paid to current and former employees will be nearly $190 million. Yeah, they'd, they'd be dumb not to sign off. We will have helped a significant number of people realize the upside of having uh, equity in something, being a part of the American dream. Jordan also outlined why New Belgium was struggling to stay independent at such a large scale, amid intense competition from a new generation of craft breweries that has doubled the total of such a business in just four years. Uh, New Belgium was struggling to meet cash demands of the ESOP and selling stock selling stockholders while expanding the business, both in production and branding. As uh, quotes, as we survived the landscape over the surveyed, surveyed sorry, the landscape over the last several years, we found that options to raise capital while being an independent brewer weren't realistic for us. Uh, some of the most widely used options by craft brewers were going. Uh, going to compromise a lot about what makes New Belgium great. 
environmental sustainability, and rich internal culture. Some of these were going to lead to cost cutting or a lack of focus on sustainability. That's just nothing they want on their hands. They'll let Kieran do that. Yeah, now it's going to be on someone else's hands. So while New Belgium was running themselves, they were, I mean, if you've ever been to any of their breweries, and we've been lucky enough to been to have gone to both of them, like oh, they some are, of it. well, you've been to 50%. <laughs> okay. But they are amazing places to behold, and they were not shy about telling you what they do for the community around them. But right. literally uh, in Asheville, that it's fantastic when they're like, "Oh no, this was a dump." It was yeah, well, it was, like we took this, we took this trash heap, we made it our own. What was it called? It, it was, it was designated like a what they called a brown side or something. Yeah, yeah, where like there was like leftover cars just in the people had been illegally floating. dumping on this site for years, and that's they're like, no, we they literally chose an old dump and turned it you know into a beautiful green space and completely cleaned it out and now there's a magnificent brewery there there is Turning it's out. like Willy Wonka without the slavery <laughs> well I, we don't know now that uh, <laughs> ownership has changed so this is something it's been so crazy like everything that's been going on I don't even know I don't up is down black is white short is long what's What's everyone's feelings on New Belgium sold I, out? I like New Belgium. I don't like this. I kind of <laughs> like them because, you know, they were a little bit more crafted than some. Yeah, they, some of their beer wasn't. <sighs> New beer has come up that would surpass it, surpass it as like, oh, this is my favorite. What I got to do, but, you know, it was always a good fallback. But also liked it because I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm supporting a craft thing, which is not normally something I usually take into account. I just go by, what do I like to, ch to drink? But uh, this one makes me kind of sad. So yeah. it was literally, like, I think the day before, uh, Justin, me and you uh, had dinner together the night, yeah. like the day before. And as we were walking out of the place, I noticed a fat tire sitting on uh, somebody's table. And I, I was just thinking, all right, it's nice to see, you know, some people just drinking some craft beers. And it's like the next day, and New Belgium sells out. And I was like, no. Yeah. It's, I mean, on the other hand, though, it does make me go, everyone got paid. No one got too screwed over as far as I know. Yeah, nobody's getting the shaft, but at the same time, it's just, it's the spirit of it, you know? Because it seemed, even when we did the tours, it was always like, the employees were kind of excited. Like they were, because they're yeah, like, the, we're involved here. The employee owners were always just so jazzed about that. This really is, making me want to move down there and <laughs> and take so a job up there. Yeah, they were. They're just so in it. Like all the employees that we ever talked. No, I mean every employee. The ones cleaning the bathrooms. Everyone. <laughs> they're just like, yeah, this is awesome. And now I'm like, oh. Yeah, because I it, I have to wonder like now it's just how, a job. how do they feel now? Yeah. Yeah, they got they got paid out for that, but yeah, now it's just like, oh, I mean, at I'm what just cost? working here. Yeah. At what cost? Uh, $10,000 minimum. 100,000. Well, $100,000 minimum. Still. Into retirement fund, it has to be said. Uh, they do not get that cash now. Right, right. right. So they've That's got an important point hope to hope that whatever Mad Max apocalypse is clearly going to happen doesn't happen. And as uh, if you're not in our Discord, uh, discussions of this happened like a month ago. And as I said in there, you know, I'd, if I worked there, yeah, these these guys were, would be stupid not to sign off on it. Like, to go, yeah. It was like, yeah, if I worked there, I'd sign off on it. And I would be judging the state of the national craft beer scene while Scrooge McDucking it into my retirement fund. As, uh, as a wise man once said, uh, take the money and run. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh god it hurts it hurts Does so it? good I feel like it <laughs> you know uh, so, so we're going to keep the whole first half of the show it's just going to be what are we going to call it sell out palooza buy up palooza more or less yeah. <laughs> capitalism our beer uh, yeah let's uh, let's go to one one of the transactions that was the most shocking also being the most shocking on the back end now the the, yeah. the return. Uh, 
this next story is going to lead us to a lot of questions by the end. So let's uh, go ahead and start with uh, Ballast Point, which was once valued at, as we know on the show, one Ballast Point is $1 billion. That's one Ballast Point. Mm-hmm. Well, it was now sold, again, for a surprisingly low amount. Chicago Kings and, Ki- and Convicts uh, has purchased the brewery from Constellation after Constellation has had it for four years. So buy low, sell high is the obvious investing maxim, but, bear- but it bears a repetition for a good reason. It goes against human nature. People tend to want to buy when the fervor is high, increasing the demand for pri- uh, increased demand, increasing uh, increases prices. Meanwhile, price drop once demand is waned. Buying low requires foresight, knowledge, and often a bit of luck. Constellation Brands certainly didn't have much luck after buying the craft beer brand Balance Point. By the way, this is from Food and Wine. By the way, these these last words have not been mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whether they could have uh, had better foresight or knowledge is up for discussion. Well, in 2015, Constellation, which was better known for uh, wine before acquiring popular Mexican beer brands uh, Corona and Modelo, paid $1 billion for Ballast Point. Paid one Ballast Point for Ballast Point. Uh, Creating the metric right then and there. Uh, Granted, the San Diego-based brewery was a beloved brand, but the Brewers Association picked it as only the 17th largest brewery in the U.S., and at the time, they shat their pants collectively <laughs> for the price and, and said, take the money and run. Uh, and run they did. And run they <laughs> did. Uh, in the same year, Sierra Nevada made headlines for a Bloomberg assessment that it was a billion-dollar company, and it was the seventh-largest brewery. So many pundits found Ballast Point's billion-dollar price tag unexpected. To say it politely. <laughs> to say, to say it by everyone yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is a sounder we probably need. <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, need the Nelson <laughs> laugh, yeah. They overpaid. They overpaid. By a staggering uh, amount. Man, they got them drunk on Sculpins. Which is hard to do. And they, <laughs> the guy was writing the check, and he put one too many zeros, and went, oops, yes, it's yours. <laughs> Uh, well, four years later comes equally unexpected lose. Last week, Constellation announced plans to sell Balance Point to little-known brewery out of Chicago called Kings and Convicts. Uh, the name stems from its founders, uh, one with an English background, the other Australian. So, yeah, it's uh, if you've never None heard of them. None of them can fight emus. <laughs> oh, they, they have to have an emu <laughs> war beer. Have to. So they're not. They're doing their jobs wrong. Yeah. Uh, don't worry if you've never heard of them before this. You're not alone because apparently uh, I read some articles out of Chicago where they're like, no, if you're even in this neighborhood, you've probably not heard of this brewery. I was going to say, we need to ask some Chicago people, have you heard of this place? We know some Chicago people who are like, no one's heard of this place. <laughs> uh, well, uh, on first blush, the sale seems odd. It's like if the Philadelphia Phillies were sold to the Reading Fighting Phils. <laughs> Or Reading Fighting Phils. But as more details have continued to emerge, the move makes more sense. Uh, Chicago Tribune reports the ownership group behind uh, the tiny Kings and Convicts brewery actually has some big names and uh, has some striking similarities to Constellation Brands. Kings and Convicts' largest uh, stakeholder is Richard Mahoney, chairman of the uh, board at the Wine Group and co-owner of the well-known brands like uh, Berzinger and Cupcake. Meanwhile... Kings and Convicts co-founder uh, Brayden Wa- uh, Waters wasn't just some home brewer looking to go pro. He has reportedly had s- successful business ventures in the past, specifically in the hotel and tech industry. Uh, so the whole thing may have looked weird to the beer world. In the business world, it was business as usual. Uh, yeah, that's really that- what's going on here is the, the little craft brewery did not buy them. What, no, like this, some was, of- this was a craft brewery. This was a brewery made up by two businessmen. Yes, and uh, the rest of the people involved, including probably one or more of the guys involved there, decided to buy another brewery. Or they helped start this one and saw another one they could buy that was worth supposedly one ballast point. And they were going to get it for a tenth of a ballast point. Possibly a tenth of a ballast point. 
there's a quote here from them uh, saying, he's backed me, and I've made him money. He's also made a lot of money elsewhere, but he's backed me since 2003, Water said of Mahoney, according to the Tribune. It was a handshake deal, and he said, I'm with you again. Well, once the funding was in place, they apparently got a very good deal. Neither side was willing to discuss price, but Brewbound reports uh, Credit Seuss analysis Kamuli, Kamil, Kamul Gawala, I'm not sure, I uh, guessed it was under $100 million, a number that fits the description elsewhere that is the price as surprisingly low. That's that's someone in constellation going here. Yeah, take it off our hands. I am, I'm. We're done with this thing. Uh, we need to make any kind of money back from it. Uh, they do say Balance Point may still have some life yet. Uh, the brand is apparently still makes about two hundred thousand bar uh, barrels a year, well below its peak of uh, four hundred and thirty-one thousand. But it's still plenty of product, and sure, it may not generate the kind of excitement it did back when Sculpin IPA was taking the world by storm, but they at least had a chance to become a sustainable national brand with the right guiding hand. That said, Constellation will probably never, it never hoped that Ballast Point would become a losing venture for them, but at least Kings and Convex can hang their hat on the one thing. They're likely starting over uh, $900 million less in the hole. Yeah, yeah so <clears throat> I think a lot of the hope has been what can they turn turn this brand around because it has been a sinking ship of additives i can't yeah i can't think of the last time that i even wanted to have a ballast point <laughs> oh, I can outside of morbid curiosity <laughs> i can think of it when it was i think fathom is their imperial stout and there were a whole bunch of uh variants getting released and i was like oh i want to try those and then i had them and i was like these are all just chemical flavoring that's the thing they're they're worse than um southern tier when it comes to like some of those flavors as far as artificialness <laughs> how, how, yeah. many, how many different variants are there of Sculpin now it's got to be in the teens like it's I, yeah i don't know it's uh, a little ridiculous. i mean i can only think of at least two but obviously and we haven't been in it in a while the thing is maybe they were always chemically and we just didn't know any better that's true because it was one of the first like flavored kind of things that we had and then we tried things like with real ingredients in them, and they were like, "Oh." So it's yeah. like the King of the Hill when they go to the <laughs> if farm this, co-op. If these are t- if this is food, what have we been eating? So what do you does this make them? We asked this in pre-show. We were going over with this, but does this make them craft again? Yeah, that's the big question. Uh, if yes, if they get bought by like does does it bring them into the? I mean, they were always in the correct barrelage. They were never over on barrels produced. And does this, now that they're, if a craft brewery buys a brewery, but, well, so no, I guess they wouldn't be because then they're 100% owned. Like they don't they're not it. 100% owned. They're, they're, yeah, they're owned by someone else. It's still not them. Yeah. Here, I have to Google this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that it's because American, they're more than. Yeah, I say a. They're more than 25% owned. Less than 25% of the craft brewery is owned or controlled by a beverage contr- uh, bev- uh, by a beverage alcohol industry member that is not itself a craft brewery. Okay, so they do not qualify. Well, no, no, that is not itself. So if a – if who oh, buys them is also okay. a craft brewery. Oh, that's a good point, and which they totally are. So, so then by that interpretation, so, yes. they become craft again. So, yay. <laughs> what the what is Welcome this, back. What is this world we're living in when New Belgium is no longer independent craft beer and Ballast Point is suddenly Point. independent craft beer again? <laughs> what what like the, the hell? Like, okay. like the, the, the Brewers Association just you know, went into their office and started playing the Welcome Back Cotter thing. What, like, welcome back. No, I like to picture it. It's what's his name from Left Hand, who's the like chair of, like he started uh, mm. the Brewers Association. And he's also like the head of left hand brewing walking into his office and just throwing the papers up in the air and he's just like F it <laughs> I, okay so here's a sounder we need to have ready at all times um the uh everything you know is wrong from Weird Al <laughs> oh That's, yeah it, just, well, just that chorus short it is wrong and everything that you thought was just so important everything <laughs> you know is wrong yep. just forget yep. the words and sing along 
That's I would point exactly out that what we need. He missed he missed a line there, but yes, he did. But forget the words and just sing along. Yeah, that's that's all. I'm yeah, saying. Uh, as the floating disembodied head of Colonel Sanders <laughs> floats by, <laughs> <Right>. screaming, <laughs> everything you know is wrong. It's really uh, one of his best songs, in my opinion. But that's one of his non-cover <laughs> songs. That's true. Yeah, was not at the uh, the the, the <gasps> night of no oh. Uh, oh, no parodies. Okay. No, I'm that was not on there. There was a lot of other stuff Ooh. that I wasn't expecting to hear, but we can. We've talked about yeah. that a long time ago. <laughs> Digress. Yeah. A digression. So, any, any, like, any other weird thoughts and feelings bubbling up? Like, are we w- predictions? Predictions for what's going to happen? Um, I, I'll, I I'll think, lead. I don't think it's going to like revitalize no. Bell's really point. Don't. I think. I think the damage is done there. I think eventually they're just going to go away. No, I think so. I'm going to be bold for parts. <laughs> they're not going to basically. Strip. Well, they could, but <laughs> I think what it's ge- what's going to happen is they're going to rebrand it. Uh, you're going to see it maybe disappear from shelves altogether for a while. But you're definitely going to see more than halved the amount of Ballast Point. I'm betting in the next few months, like because it is flooded on the market. So uh, hopefully they start cutting back on the Sculpin variants or just all the variants in general. We stop getting all of the like horrible chemically variants of everything. Just a return to basics. Just give me great sculpin. Just give me you know just the just their base beers being great, and then start rolling them back out with some variants with a return to some natural ingredients. It could mean that we see more from this uh, Chicago area brewery. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe we see. I'm, I'm looking knows? at the Kings and Convicts Brewing Company. We just looked site. at that too, and I was like, oh. So their I website, guess. it was <laughs> to makes be, no sense. Their website was down for two days after the acquisition of people. Because everyone was trying to figure everyone out. Everyone sure. going They're to the like, website trying to figure out who the hell they were. It down. Some, someone wasn't built by Squarespace. <laughs> hey. hey, I didn't hey. have that distributive host. <laughs> hey, they don't give me uh, money, Squarespace. <laughs> they don't sponsor the show. Squarespace or Daily Harvest, come at me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll take either. Yeah. <laughs> but also, they apparently have some Theodore Roosevelt fetish, and you, you know I understand that. But it's, it's good enough. Every every eight year old boy should have a every Theodore. young every young boy who discovers history <laughs> falls in love with Theodore Roosevelt. It's just what happens. They all get a massive hard on for uh, for shooting shooting uh, large large mammals. Shouting bully. Bully, bully. Bully. I'm getting shot. Uh, so, you know who else probably shouted bully at their excitement? Anheuser-Busch. Did they? <laughs> or did Craft they... Brew Alliance shout with raging erections? <laughs> no, because they got less money than they were hoping to get. No, but but they got what they wanted. <laughs> Anheuser-Busch <laughs> just, just played the long game. Well, They got out. <laughs> let's just, uh, yeah. Anheuser Busch expanding partnership with Craft Brew Alliance. That's a misleading headline, I feel. Um, <laughs> so, Craft Brew Alliance uh, in Portland announced an expanded partnership with Anheuser Busch, a subsidiary of Leuven? Question mark. Uh, Belgium-based Anheuser Busch InBev, where AB will purchase CBA shares it does not already own for sixteen dollars fifty cents a share in cash in a merger transaction. AB currently owns 31.2% stake in CBA, and a vast majority of its brands already are distributed through AB's network of independent wholesalers through the company's existing commercial agreement. But wait, Mer- the Torga- merger, not sorry, I heard murder. I trans- heard, I heard murder as well, and I was like, no, no, it's correct. I'm oh, just did gonna I? Let, I'm just gonna. No, let, no, you probably said merger. You I said you guys are like, no. I thought about it. I just misheard it. No, you said she probably said murder, but I, I'm like, no, that's the correct term. We're just gonna go with it. That's what's what happened. But uh, as to stand at the correction to the tour guide when Casey went to St. Louis and took a tour of the Budweiser plant there, uh, they told him, oh no, no, Kona is one of our brands. We we <laughs> that's one of our beers. And Casey's like, no, 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 you you do not own majority of them. Well, now they do. Now, now that tour guide is correct. Yeah. Um, so uh, a quote here from uh, Andy Thomas, chief um, 
so CEO. Nephew of Dave Thomas. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm no. just making that up. Uh, CEO of CBA. Uh, this announcement represents an exciting new step in a long and successful partnership with Anheuser-Busch, whose support for the growth of our business and brands traces back over 25 years. By combining our resources, our talented teammates, and dynamic brands, we will look to nurture the growth of CBA's existing portfolio as we continue investing in innovation to meet the changing needs of today's beverage consumers, all Hold while on. delivering certainty of value to our shareholders. Hold on. We want to continue innovating by focusing on our existing products and making sure nothing changes. That's more or less what he said. Like, am I not crazy? Have I taken crazy pills? No, no, that's, yeah, that's the quote. And it, it's definitely weird. Also, I feel like what it, his, his thing actually should have said was, uh, AB InBev finally decided to buy us. <laughs> it, it sounded a little like it. could have done this several months ago. Because he was now like. Now they're making me read this letter. It was like traces back over 25 years as if like. At this point, like, <laughs> the crapper get off the pot situation is what it sounded like. Uh, so, CBA joins AB's Brewers Collective, which is a collection of craft partners spread throughout the country, committed to providing consumers with innovative, quality beers and investing in their local communities, the company says. The transaction is subject to customary closing conditions, including approval by a majority of CBA's shareholders not affiliated with AB, and certain regulatory approvals, and is expected to close in 2020. Look, I, I, I can't imagine that it would go, that, <laughs> that that board meeting would be very long. Uh, hello, everybody. We're here to discuss, um, it, will AB InBev be purchasing? Yes, we're unanimous. Okay, well, um, <laughs> good meeting. Any new business? You're all leaving. Um, you're all seeming to be taking your checks and getting... All right. Well, um, good deal then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's, inter it's interesting. The final quote on this article. Um, so the uh, so Marcelo Michaelis, question mark, president of the Brewers Collective at AB, says CBA's diverse portfolio of regional breweries and innovative lifestyle brands is an excellent complement to our family of craft partners, and would continue to help fuel the growth of the craft beer category. I can't hear the word li words lifestyle brand without like rolling my eyes. Yeah, because it sounds so buzzwordy. But um, th so it's interesting because the whole time in this, I'm thinking of Kona, you know. Um, so I'm just, yeah, like officially. So basically this guy's like, oh, we're super excited because now basically AB can say, we have all these craft, you know, brands. Which aren't craft now, but... <laughs> yeah. So they, I don't think they were technically craft to start with. Uh, for a while, anyway. Oh, because of the 25% thing. Yeah. Yeah, because it was definitely like 30... Yeah, so 31.2. Well, uh, I guess moving on to slightly better news, then? <laughs> how about... How about... Uh, <laughs> we need the... Uh, we need an edited version of the Jefferson Starship song. We built this city. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. We, we built <laughs> this city on... Alcoholism. <laughs> uh, no, we've got the best beer cities, best cities for beer drinkers, 2019 edition. Uh, so, according to the National Beer Wholesaler Association, in 2018, approximately 82% of all beer in the U.S. was domestically produced. Uh, and while that may uh, indicate beer is widely available across the country, not all drinkers will agree it's worth saving up to buy another round in every city. I mean. We might, but we have a problem. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, apparently, Smart Asset took a look at the best cities for beer drinkers around the country. And they have a list of all of them here. So, uh, their key findings. Uh, another round of your favorites. Six of the cities that make the top ten list last year did so again. Cincinnati, Ohio, Asheville, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Denver, Colorado, Bend, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, all do particularly well when it comes to the number of breweries uh, per 100,000 residents and the variety of beers per brewery. Now, the West and Midwest seem to dominate. There are four cities in the western state, uh, 
western states, two of which are in Oregon, and four cities in the midwestern state, two of them are in Ohio. Oh, in the and top ten. <laughs> moreover, across the t our top 50, there are 19 cities located in the western states and 15 in the midwest. Wow. Fly over, but grab a drink. <laughs> yeah, something about the midwest. Big yeah. on beer. Well, when you're bo when you're bored, <laughs> like when you only have so much to do <laughs> or look at. So, let's uh, start. I'm gonna work my way up, uh, b up, ba you know, backwards of the the way this article is listed. Ah, okay. So, number ten, Cleveland, Ohio. At least uh, a regionally close for us. Yeah, um, rounds out the list of yeah, not a far drive. And Cleveland, home to fatheads. <laughs> Uh, it's the the U.S. home for BrewDog now. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, uh, and uh, well, I also have a Cincinnati one too, though. You have so. a Cincinnati one now too, but that's yeah. where they also have their beer hotel. Is it Cleveland or Columbus? I thought it was Columbus. Oh, maybe it's Columbus. I don't know. It's it's Ohio. Great, oh, Great Lakes is in Cleveland too. Oh, Ohio is all one big city. I know it's not, but all the cities are the same city in my head. Ohio is really actually just three cities. So it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Columbus. That's all. Right. <laughs> and maybe corn Dayton. Cornfields. Not wrong. Uh, anyway, the uh, it ranks the top third in the study across all five metrics. The num uh, total number of breweries in Cleveland is 21, and the average number of b uh, of uh, beers per brewery is 51. Wow. Furthermore, there are roughly 20 bars per 100,000 residents with an average price of a pint at $4. Huh. Think of the savings. <laughs> Indeed. Next up, head up to Montana, because someone has to. You can go to Missoula, the 12th highest uh, out of all 350 cities in our study uh, for number of breweries per 100,000 residents. It's because there's maybe 100,000 residents there, <laughs> period. Sure at approximately 12. The 16th highest for number of bars per 100,000 resident. I'm again, I'm pretty sure there may be 12 people there. Uh, there's 35 uh, bars there. Uh, furthermore, Missoula ranks within the top uh, top 10% of the study for average price per, pri per pint at $3.50, which is the lowest price in the top 10. And you know, when there's no one there, you gotta, you gotta, you know, incentivize them to come out. Mm. You gotta get the four people that live in that city to come across the street from the other place to your place. Because there's no one in Montana. We're gonna get, like, emails. Or ads. <laughs> hey, look, it's fine. I'm not saying there's anyone in Kentucky either. That's <laughs> true. There are like 12 of us. Uh, maybe 50. Anyway, next up, Portland, Oregon. This one's a given, right? But yeah. I, I am a little surprised at how far down the list it is, though, honestly. I mean, that's true. It's also uh, it's one of the two shining Portlands of beer. Yeah. I mean, uh, Portland is the second Oregon city to make the list into the top 10, ranks eighth overall. The average price per pint is $5. It's uh, more expensive roles than other cities in the top 10, but beer lov lovers will appreciate the fact that the city has many breweries, approximately 69, and an average of almost 75 types of beer per brewery. That's that's an eclectic choice. Yeah, which, I mean, that just sums up Portland. Mm. <laughs> uh, I thought, um, what's his name summed up Portland? The dude, what, from the SNL? Oh, Fred Armisen. Fred Armiston. Yeah. yeah that's uh, next up, Madison, Wisconsin is the uh, least stressed out city in 2019. It's a great city to decompress with a cold one. It's in the top 10 of the study for its relatively high number of bars per 100,000 residents at 31 and ranks within the top 25% of the remaining metrics. Also, it has an average domestic pint of $4. The price thing seems to be about the same that across the board. So that's that's where we're hovering at on price there, yeah. about four to four fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Montana, it's three fifty, but that's because no one lives there. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up is Bend, Oregon, and that just feels dirty to say. It, oh. It's so close to saying Bend over. <laughs> Bend or again. <laughs> oh. 
The shoots has a uh, is in Bend, Oregon. Yes, that's where. Okay, well, that's one of the two cities from the Beaver State. That's not making it better, by the way. <laughs> no, to make it in the top ten. <laughs> not in the least. Uh, it's in the top twenty percent of cities in all metric, except for the average price point, which is at about four point five, so four fifty. Uh, Bend is the si- second highest number of breweries per hundred thousand residents in the top ten, at the third highest overall, at approximately twenty five. Uh. There's also Denver, Colorado, which is a relatively high price for a pint of beer. Uh, but it's in the top 10 of every other metric. It's 79 total breweries, the highest amount in the top 10 and the second highest overall, hmm. followed only by Chicago. Makes sense. Furthermore, despite its large population, the city has approximately 11 breweries to uh, and 27 bars per 100,000 residents, meaning uh, there's a lot of choices while you're drinking. Because Denver. Because Denver. <laughs> Also, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, is the fourth city in the city. It's ranked within the top 25% in all metrics. It's one of 350 cities for which they analyzed. Pittsburgh ranks the 21st highest for its 24 breweries and 25th highest for approximately 31 bars. Uh, but you might be able to stretch your dollar a little farther because it's the uh, number one in the most undervalued cities in America. Uh, it does not tell me what the amount is per person, just telling me that it's cheaper than everywhere else. Number three... Former Beer City USA, Asheville, North Carolina. So Asheville hasn't been Beer City for two years now? This will be two years, I think. Wow. Two years, but it's still a damn great city. It's still a great city. city. I mean, yeah. You can, okay, so you can get uh, an Airbnb or a room downtown for not very much, and you can just walk around and get trashed in Asheville (laughs) at amazing breweries. Average price per pint is $4.00. There is uh, 27 breweries per 100,000 residents, mm. uh, which is the highest rate in our metric for the top 10 and the second highest rate overall. And it has about 90 kinds of beers per brewery. So pretty good. St. Louis is number two, though. Uh, it's got, uh, let's see, 104 breweries per, uh, per 100,000 people. It also has uh, a number of bars is about 35 per 100,000, uh, but doesn't give me the price per pint, unfortunately. But number one is Cincinnati, Ohio. I, I kept wanting to, I'm like, do it. Does there some kind of USA chant we can do? It, or, I'm like, no, Cincinnati has its own USA chant. It's just who day. <laughs> oh, God, no. Not without a gun to my head, and even then. Nasty. Uh, Called the Nasty Natty, so nasty. Started doing that anyway, song. They uh, they move up from fourth place last year. Uh, Ooh, in particular, wow. it has the top twenty rated uh, for total number of breweries at thirty. Uh, it's breweries per hundred thousand residents is uh, ten, with an average number of beers per brewery is at a hundred and three. Which is what yeah. gets us there is the number of beers per brewery because we don't have the and most breweries, we don't have the cheapest beer, we well, do have the most beers per brewery. The price per pint is four dollars, which is so uh, relatively yeah. affordable compared to some of the others. Yeah. So, but we're just below the average yeah. on the so, price of the pints. But, all in uh, all. So uh, everyone keeping tally, hey, guess what? Cincinnati is now Beer City, USA. Mm-hmm. That's uh. It's also it's also uh, Oktoberfest. It's also mm-hmm. yes, Oktoberfest. Uh, Cincinnati is America's Oktoberfest. Yes. Um, I never got to see it this year. We were able to reclaim the title of uh, largest Oktoberfest or second largest Oktoberfest in the world. I don't. Because we had fallen behind, and I never got to see the attendance numbers that came from the official expanded dates. Who who surpassed us before? I have no idea. Hmm. Um, I know we'd been knocked down to like third or fourth. Wow. Well, October yeah, fifth. Are we any having more of a thing? Not for. Yeah, I don't have any recent numbers. We're still Ameri- We've always been America's Oktoberfest. It is the largest Oktoberfest in America. But mm-hmm. as it, it like, I think it was. It's been five years since we were second largest in the world. Mm. Still. Still. Biggest in the country, not the worst thing. That's what she said. Yep. Uh, so, speaking of uh, the biggest, 
<laughs> yeah, speaking of the biggest, and we're still talking about Cincinnati, uh, let's talk about some Brewbound awards here. So, uh, Brewbound today, this is of last week, week before, uh, uh, announced yeah. their 2019 awards during the Brewbound Live Business Conference in Santa Monica, California. Since 2014, Brewbound Awards have recognized large and small beer companies as well as notable industry figures for their execution of various business and philanthropic initiatives. The breweries. The breweries. That's what we're calling them. them. Yeah. Uh, winners of the sixth annual breweries <laughs> include Cause of the Year goes to Sierra Nevada Brewing Company for Resilience IPA campaign, mm. which has raised more than $8.5 million for relief efforts in the wake of last year's campfire wildfire. So I feel like they need to keep that going because because California there are because it's well because there's, there's been more. more fires. Yeah, I mean because California. So like just so you know, uh, all those resilience IPAs that you bought locally did pay out. Like it went to a good cause. Eight point five million dollars went to rebuilding a community. So that is that is awesome. awesome. Big round of applause for craft beer on that one. Uh, so beyond beer company of the year, uh, go ahead and guess. Go ahead and guess. Go ahead. And just, just, just go ahead. I'm, and I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm looking like, at it. What? I can't guess. Oh, you you knew what it was going to be. Beyond beer company. Of the Listeners, who do you think it could be? Mutter under your breath in astonishment. Mark Anthony it's Brands. The ladders. <laughs> Mark Anthony Brands, who's. White Claw brand has dominated hard seltzer, claiming more than half of the market share in the category. Yeah. And became a social phenomenon. It is the Kleenex of the seltzer brands, the hard yep. seltzer I brands. To, I had to try to explain White Claw to someone at work today. I was like, what is it? Well, it's like if you drank an, uh, 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 an alcoholic buble. Yes. Yeah. And then they said, you mean the buble? crooner? He's <laughs> like, yeah, when, when you, you get Michael, Michael buble, buble <laughs> sauced up. I mean. In a buble bath. <laughs> so drinking, drinking a little bit of champagne or as he calls it the buble <laughs> large brewery of the year goes to boston beer company which has recorded six consecutive quarters of double digit growth oh, yeah and struck a 300 million dollar cash and stock deal with dogfish head craft brewery for as they called it a merger mm. Don't call it a buyout. <laughs> Person of the year, Dave Berwick from Boston Beer Company, their president and CEO, for his role in helping complete the merger with Dogfish Head. And for his role, I thought the whole thing was pretty much when Jim and uh, Jim Cook and Bam. Sam Calgione sat down at uh, what was it? Uh, GABF. Was it? G no, it wasn't GABF. It was at. Uh, it was. It was one of the big beer. It was at the Extreme Beer Festival. Mm -hmm. which is up in Boston, I think. And they sat down for lunch and basically said, like, compared portfolios and said that they had no, pretty much no portfolio overlap. And they were like, we should just put our companies together because we neither of us makes beer that the other makes. I, what I would like to imagine happened is they did that. It's like, oh, yeah, no, we got this. Oh, yeah, we don't have anything like that. We got this. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that your thing over here. Did we just become best friends? Yep. And then I'd, I'd like to mention, like, I can picture Sam and Jim, like, duct taping bunk beds <laughs> together. And yes. their wives just, like, standing outside the room, shaking their heads. Like, it's in their, like, they're like, no, we're going to have a joint office now. I have bunk beds in there. <laughs> the desks uh, are just duct taped together on top of each other. <laughs> and then Sam's like, you need anything down there, Sam? No, I'm good. All right, oh, the well, light's gone out up there, Jim. Can you change that? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Just reaches over. <laughs> so Craft Brewery of the Year goes, goes to a little-known brewery, uh, Rheingeist Brewery, <laughs> which has grown rapidly over the last six years, crossing 100,000 barrels and becoming a regional craft leader. In 2020, Rheingeist founders will begin the process of turning the company over to its employees through employee stock ownership plan and ESOP. Pretty much copy and pasted from <laughs> New Belgium. Well, someone's got to do it. Uh, mm -hmm. Brewbound. Oh, this is going to the next one. Uh, but yeah, this thing with Rheingeist, and we also went there recently. I think did we talk about it on the show yet? Yeah, I think we so. yeah we did. It's also yeah we did. It the we last talked about one, it on the show. Also, like my first time there, I was like, oh, 
and we'd been there. It's only before. our second time ever. Yeah, we'd been there before, and it was it left a bad taste in our mouths. Like not just the beer, but the whole experience, and then going back, it just it's totally different, completely feel. different. Everything about being there, it was just night and day difference. And that's like I used to have real harsh feelings towards them, and now I have real great feelings towards them. Like so everything has gotten better, and they are. Um, I think they're fantastic now, and it is like I think that's really what's happened is we've seen them step in to like using their position and their capabilities to really help start fostering the region in craft beer, rather than just being like you know they could have come in and just been like this juggernaut sitting around and pushing everyone to do whatever they wanted to do, which was kind of the opinion at first, but then they really softened and started. They became part of the community, is what I think Did really happened. Yeah. Do do they have any uh, any beers that actually follow the Rhine High School boot? <laughs> uh, Franz probably. I'm just saying, like I feel like it should be called, you know, it's, you know, Rhine Geist. All their pale ales do. It's like Rhine Geist, but you know, Rhine Heist boot. Ah, uh, Rhine Geist boot. They missed an opportunity there. I'm sure we'll get some kind of Vienna Lager along those lines at some point. Oh yeah. my god. If I was called them, if I was them, I would make a Vienna Lager or a Meritzen for Oktoberfest and call it Rheingeistabut. <laughs> they should. So, I mean, because they have the Franz, which is their Oktoberfest, but it's not, I mean, it's fine. It has to be said that uh, their barrel aging program there and their sours, that is where everyone is absolutely blown away mm. at the moment. That creek, though. Their sours mm. are amazing. They have a creek, yeah, that is... No, we all try to... <laughs> knock your socks off, yeah. but... Uh, they just put out their barrel-aged ink. Ink is very good. I've ink, always liked ink, actually. Day one, ink has been... Uh, I think that was literally like year one. I was like, eh, ink's the only beer from them I like. I was like, but it's a damn great beer. And now they right. uh, more and more beers have come out. But uh, moving through. Rising Stars. Uh, six craft breweries have been announced as Rising Stars. Cape May Brewing Company. Uh, and, and then... 50 West Brewing Company, another Cincinnati uh, <laughs> brewery that uh, you might have to keep your eyes out for. Uh, Monday Night Brewing, hmm, that's kind of already a big name. Night Shift Brewing, kind of already a big name. Rubens Brews, not sure about them. And. Uh, Societe? Societe? Societon. Someone with a name too hard to say. Brewing yeah. Company, yes. Uh, their beer, their beer better be good. But right? of all the awards, uh, Cincinnati had two breweries hitting in this, and it's not a lot of breweries. No. So no. this, I think, this just kind of harkens back to the hey, Beer City USA. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. Quality, not quantity. And cheaper. <laughs> and cheaper. Mm. All right. Well, uh, speaking of. Well, I don't know if it, there's going to be a lot of quantity or quality with this next thing, but yeah, uh, it sounds good though. Uh, Angry Orchard just launched a limited edition boozy ice cream. So up here, we're actually used to the other direction. So like we have Braxton <laughs> that pairs with Grater's ice cream to make ice cream beer. Well, now we get the reverse. Look, uh, we well, didn't Stone didn't did uh, the Chocoveza. Oh yeah, ice cream. But we never got any. We of that. never found it around here. It was well, and didn't uh, uh, New Belgium do like the brown ale? We did salted get caramel that yeah. also right. had a salted caramel brown ale. We be, found uh, ice cream. We, we found, found that once, right? Yeah. We found yeah. so they did it like uh, two years in a row. We found <laughs> the first one, and then the second time we weren't able to find it. I forgot about that. Hmm. So yeah, that is. Good call. I remember you guys wanted to make beer floats and got thick and liquid. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> It was a, it was on it was a good idea on paper, you know. Uh, hard cider maker Angry Orchard and the Boozy Ice Cream Company Tipsy Scoop, great name, have teamed up to create the seasonal blend of your dreams: a spiced cider ice cream. I've been looking for the spiced cider and I can't find it. And oh, the Angry Orchard, yeah. For the the Angry Orchard, like the winter version of it, that's supposed to be like warm spiced, because I've been re. Uh, listening to, uh, well, I've already gone through Name of the Wind, and I'm in Wise Man's Beer, and Which I'm like, no, I want a spiced <laughs> cider hard right now. Like, I am jonesing, and I've been going through liquor stores looking for it, and it's nowhere to be found. I'm like, look, I never want hard cider. I want it right now. I want that. I need it. 
I needs it. I keep hearing Quoth talk about it. <laughs> I needs it. Well, uh, called Angry Orchard Unfiltered, the seasonal release blends a delightful mix of brown sugar, cinnamon, and chopped up caramel apples yes. with Angry Orchard's unfiltered hard cider. Ensuring the ice cream won't be cloyingly sweet, the unfiltered cider is crafted using bittersweet apples, resulting in a brew that is more subdued than the brand's classic lineup. Angry Orchard Unfiltered contains 5% ABV and is only yeah. available at select New York City stores. No. Yeah. The good news <laughs> is that it. it can be enjoyed nationwide by ordering it online from Gold Belly. Never heard of that website. Uh, for a full-on festive experience and to celebrate the winter solstice, be sure to stop by one of Tipsy Scoop's Manhattan or Brooklyn locations on December 21st to get a free scoop. I'm down because this place officially labeled it as the winter solstice to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to support them and order it from wherever I have to. One hundred dollars? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. They, they they make a bad thing. We shouldn't <laughs> do this. It is one hundred dollars for a four pack. Oh. Holy crap! Well, it's it's <laughs> supporting someone who supports our pagan ways. I I don't I don't know how to. I'm just like what? what you mean we? Oh my gosh! All all flavors contain up to five percent. Yeah, but that's cool and everything. But Jesus. <laughs> okay, uh, we want to support you, but not that bad apparently. <laughs> I want I want alcoholic ice cream. A hundred dollars. I I want to get lit while eating ice cream. <laughs> it's my fat boy dreams. I well, think I think crushing Chris's fat boy dreams uh, <laughs> probably is a good place I to stop. I know what I'm going to ask the hog father for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we would like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we also do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. We will see you next time. And once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>